passionate about broadcast media? Become a part of Broadcast Plaza, the number one broadcast media server on Discord, to discuss all about it with fellow community members and industry professionals, including your humble narrator. Broadcast Plaza, this is the place. Join today by going to the link in this episode's description or by logging on to discord.gg forward slash broadcast plaza. This is a Sackland original podcast. Today on the Zachary and Peaches show. The future is in her hands. We take a look at one of Disney's latest animated series, Haley's On It, and how overcoming one's own fears plays a role in the titular character's progress in completing her to-do list. It's a Zachman exclusive as Adrian talks with Studio 31 Media Archives owner, Jim Stanton, on fair use, copyrights, archiving broadcast media, and the future of his YouTube channel. All coming up this week, November 7th, 2023. Connecting from Orlando and Baltimore, it's all about animation, autism, and everything else. This is the Zachary and Peaches Show with Adrian Mata and Emma Settles. Welcome to the Zachary and Peaches Show, folks. I'm Adrian Mata. And I'm Emma Settles. And uh, Emma, I understand you didn't really have a, quite a, quite the best Halloween this year. I'm sorry to hear about that. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you're... Um, you know, open to discussing about what's been going on, but you know, what's been ha- what's been happening around the uh, household lately? Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't really think it's completely my place to com- to discuss in great detail exactly what's going on um, in my life, especially since a majority of you know the situations that I've been going through are things that are happening sort of you know around me as opposed to um you know directly you know something that that's directly directly impacting me um that involves me rather um but uh let's just say there's just been a lot of family um related issues lately and uh it's 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 slowly um it's slowly weighing on me a little bit more um we've been having a lot of issues off and on for the past almost three years but right now it's it's sort of like I've, I've hit a little bit of a wall and uh life's just hitting me hard um and I, you know because of that because of just some of the family issues I didn't have a great Halloween day um the night it definitely got better um you know I handed out candy to trick-or-treaters and they really loved my bluey costume um I was bluey for that for Halloween which is really cool um, and I watched Whose Line Is It Anyway with um, my best friend who was, who was still over. Um, and, you know, yeah, he came over, I think, on, like, that Thursday before. And that weekend was pretty great, actually. Um, at least part of it, you know, it, it, it sort of got me to uh, take my mind off of some of the, the stressors that have been going on in my life, even with them still being very much present. Um but yeah, we we went to a haunted house. We got ice cream. We did a lot of shopping. It was it was just it was it was nice. Um, and I'm I'm thankful he came over. So that was that was really nice. Even though Halloween Day itself was a bit mid, um, at least he was there. At least I watched Beetlejuice. Um, people liked my costume. So yeah, there was there was a lot of good stuff that I think I need to really pay pay more attention to. 
as opposed to just focusing on the things that have been going on uh, in my family life at the moment. But, you know, I mean, other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there as best as I possibly can. Um, I'm just, I'm thankful that I have opportunity just to kind of get away and, you know, talk about cartoons with people like you, Adrian. And right now I'm just kind of chilling in my bedroom uh, in my penguin onesie and listening to my cat snore her little head off as she takes a big fat nap on my bed. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, again, I think just in general, taking some time to focus more on the positives as opposed to the negative um, is just, it's, it's something that I really feel like I should be doing at least partially. But yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's kind of what I feel comfortable talking in about in the in the regards to all of the situation that's been going on right now. And uh, again, for those of you who I have told about, just even in a general sense that things have been going on and things have just been really stressful uh, in my life, especially. Right now, I just I mean, I'm very thankful for all of your well wishes and prayers and hopes and you know all of that. I, I just sincerely, well, for genuinely caring about me and for offering me support during this this time, and uh, I sincerely hope that eventually, um, things will start to look up. Yeah, let's hope for the let's hope for the uh, best here for uh, for you and your family, Emma. Um, as far as uh, my life is concerned here, um, I got to see um, got to see uh, Gilly and the Girl, my favorite acoustic music duo, over at uh, Universal City Walk uh, over in Orlando. Uh, they were performing over at Jimmy Buffett's uh, Margaritaville restaurant, and uh, and I had a really great time. Had some good food. Had a nice cheeseburger in paradise in honor of uh, the late Jimmy Buffett, and. Um, I'm kind of still buzzing over over you know their cover of uh, "Antihero" by Taylor Swift. I wish I could sh I wish I could play the video. I, I wish I could play the video or at least the audio portion of the video for you. But I think for I think for due to due to uh, you know for, you know copyrights and whatnot, I I I don't think we're going to be able to get to do that. But but I'm still buzzing over the fact that they did the that they did a Taylor Swift cover uh, during the during their gigs uh, that evening and yeah, just did the chance, just didn't sing along uh, just like any other Swifty would. So there is that. Um, uh, there, uh, I also had a very uh, interesting, but rather smooth shift on uh, Thursday morning, uh, last Thursday morning. I uh, helped out with opening up the, um, the uh, Auntie Anne stand over at Marvel superhero Island. And uh, it was just really a matter of, just getting everything ready for the day, um, making sure the pretzel nuggets were um, were uh, baked up. The first batch of those baked for the day, but buttered up and whatnot, and you know, and and then I was pretty much on cashier for the rest of the day. So, well, at least for the rest of my shift, anyway. So, so there is that. Also, uh, during uh, Marvel character dinner. Um, I had um, I had a mother, a father, and a son. Uh, there was a party of three. the The parents were, I think, in their thirties or forties, and the son was uh, about like in their uh, early teens or so. And they went over to uh, Halloween Horror Nights 
uh, which by the way has now ended sadly. But uh, anyway, um, but they went over to Howling Horror Nights uh, because it was a part of their uh, the vacation package, uh, you know, with their tickets to Universal Orlando. And the son ended up not really liking it, or at the very least, not quite appreciative of the, uh, I guess, the offerings of of uh, HHN. And I think that's because of the, the way it kind of really caters more towards the adult clientele. I think that might be the reason why. But uh, but I kind of floated around the idea of perhaps Universal Orlando doing a daytime Halloween offerings um, throughout... Uh, throughout both uh, Universal Studios Florida and also Universal's Islands of Adventure, and after and I and after I've brought in, brought up the idea with them, they were very receptive receptive to it, and uh, they kind of warmed up to the idea. And you know that might be something that you know that I could you know bring up to the appropriate departments and whatnot, and see you know if that's something in the cards for them. Uh, but uh, after talking with um, I think with a couple of the couple of the uh, cooperating departments, a uh, couple of the co-workers uh, doing uh, Marvel character dinner, including uh, uh, somebody from uh, from another department uh, that was handling the um, the meet and greets for the Marvel characters, uh, and also talking with my manager. Um, that's where things kind of get a little bit nuanced for me as far as everything's concerned here. So some points to, to kind of really consider. Uh, first off, profits. Um, Every event here, every event, uh, especially when it comes to ticketed events, you know, you know, you know, you're going to try and generate some kind of uh, profit and try to try to generate as much revenue as uh, fairly reasonable as possible. Uh, and so that's uh, that's kind of really something to consider, you know, with the you know with their bottom line and whatnot, and and also that kind of comes along with any other uh, theme park. Uh, ownership group or operating company and and whatnot uh second is the uh, people and the resources like how how much how much of these resources do you have versus how much do you really need and it's just a matter of trying to see where where you can put your people where where you can put you know your you know whatever funds or whatever whatever to uh help put up these um uh this new event or whatever, you know, uh, a certain company, a certain, a certain theme park wants to do here. Uh, another thing is creativity and uniqueness. They gotta, you know, they gotta stand out and it's, it's gotta stand out. It's got to, it's got to stand out in terms of the offerings and, you know, how, how much effort they put into the whole thing. Universal Orlando, of course, uh, they have, um, every year during Howling Horror Nights, they do have um, some uh, IPs in rotation. Uh, I think it depends on I think certain rights that they have to do the scare houses and scare zones. Uh, I know this year it was the uh, it was the Exorcist. There was the Last of Us. There was also uh, Stranger Things. Uh, so uh, so that's something to consider. And there's also another thing here: a possible, possibly some. Uh, some dilution with the, uh, I think, with the existing Halloween Horror Nights event, and that's something to kind of really to 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 consider because because uh, 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 I think as far back as uh, I think in 2020 they never really they didn't really have Halloween Horror Nights at least in the way it was intended. They did open up the um, the haunted houses for I think for much of the day and just open up in the 
had an open up in the morning, had it last throughout the, uh, I guess, the operating day. But uh, but nobody really, from what I understand, nobody really wanted to uh, go into the haunted houses, you know, at that at that early, at such an early time of day. And so it didn't quite, so the houses were just kind of like, they were quite empty for uh, much of the time. And also the experiences were heavily modified because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, there's that. So that's some, that's kind of really something to uh, think about there. But, uh, but in general, you kind of have to think about, you know, is there going to be overlap? Is there going to be, is, there, is this going to, are there any concerns basically, you know, with, holding such an event like this one uh, and and doing like holding Halloween Horror Nights and also daytime festivities because uh, because there's because obviously there's going to be a lot on everybody's plate on every single department uh, involved with the uh, with putting up the events. So, yeah, so uh, basically, that's just basically um, that's basically pretty much about it as far as uh, my uh, life updates are concerned here. But uh, anyway, uh, some. Uh, Obligatory stuff here to get to. Uh, Universal Land of Holidays are coming up. Uh, they will be starting up November 17th. And it'll be going on until December 31st. That's New Year's Eve. And it's also this time of year where we have the seasonal workers uh, uh, getting ready to um, become balloon handlers for the Universal Holiday Parade featuring Macy. So uh, best of luck to them. Wish them the, the best of luck in uh, in training and, uh, and, of course, putting on the parade. Uh, uh during the evenings uh of course so uh there's that and also this was announced uh earlier this week uh universal's mardi gras uh international flavors of carnival will be held between february 3rd and april 7th of next year so there will be more details forthcoming on the kind of cuisines uh that will be offered uh some food and that food and drink options as well as uh entertainment with uh with the concerts and all that and of course that will be um, that will be announced in due course as uh, we go along with the uh, next couple of months here at Universal Orlando. So uh, yeah, so good time to come out to the parks, uh, be it for be it be it for the holidays or for Mardi Gras. Please come out whenever you can. Universalorlando.com for all the details and to get your tickets. Sounds like uh, Universal's got a pretty. Uh pretty big op- and wide variety of uh of fun options and again it, if you missed the uh the the fun and horrors of halloween horror nights um at the very least you can catch up with the holiday season events and or with the mardi gras events too which should all be very very fun um i guess just real brief before we move on to our next uh housekeeping note but uh, I love your idea gen- about uh, having some daytime Halloween events. I don't necessarily know if haunted houses specifically will uh, go over very well in the daytime. Um, some people, as you, as you you know, kind of mentioned, just would prefer to go to a haunted house at night. And I, I totally understand why it's the whole atmosphere thing. Um, even if the scare houses are, are partially indoors. Um, but... Yeah, I like the idea of having some daytime program stuff as well. Maybe some stuff that's not quite as as frightening, more friendly for uh, for younger audiences. Um, I think you know having something for kids would just be really, really nice. And plus, I think this would also be uh, 
Uh, this is wishful thinking, I guess. I guess, you know, especially considering the fact that Universal's copyrights uh, situation always sort of rotates throughout uh, throughout the years. But uh, anything, just just anything to get uh, <laughs> to get Beetlejuice's graveyard review back. I'd love to see my my favorite gravelly voiced dead guy just belting out eighties anthems again. <laughs> Oh man, I actually never got to. I never got to see that show. Actually, uh, I think of, of course, uh, Fast and Furious uh, Supercharged. Uh, um, arguably, some might say the least favorite ride uh, over at Universal Studios Florida. But um, uh, that's of course over where uh, uh, Beetlejuice's Graveyard Review was, and also uh, Disaster, and before that, Earthquake uh, was. Uh, so uh, there is that. Uh, I did forget to mention though the the daytime Halloween offerings. I was thinking of like more along the lines of like the cute and wholesome side of Halloween. Of course, you can have like some of the scary stuff, but make it make it cute, make it wholesome, and all that. So yeah, yeah. Plus, just primarily focus on stuff that's maybe not quite as scary. You know, um, Universal monsters, Beetlejuice, cartoon characters, that kind of stuff. Lots of lots of cute, fun stuff. Oh yeah. All right, so some housekeeping notes here. Got three for you uh, this week here. Uh, there will be a uh, an Olympic style event coming to St. Augustine, Florida, on February twenty fourth. It's called the Florida Man Games. So the inaugural edition will be held, of course, on February twenty fourth uh, next year. Uh, there's going to be some games like the Weaponized Pool Noodle Mud Duel, Beer Belly Florida Sumo, and the Category Five Cash Grab. Uh, uh, the game. The games were founded by Pete Melfi. He said the best way to describe the upcoming event would be, "quote like if you had a fever and went to bed with Florida on your mind, this would be your fever dream, minus the discomfort plus a ton of belly, belly laughs. It's going to be unbelievable and extremely memorable." End quote. Um, the challenges and events are going to be judged by original American gladiators Dan Nitro Clark and Lori Ice Fetrick. Uh, General mention tickets to the event are being sold for $45. Well, now I know what I'm going to be doing for my birthday. <laughs> and I mean that partially facetiously. I mean, it sounds like it would be fun, but at the same token, though, the fact that it's be in, 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 in a silly, bizarre sort of way. Um, but, you know... The the fact that it's being held literally on my birthday is just I, I find that to be quite a hilarious coincidence. <laughs> I didn't really think about that, but uh anyway, uh yeah, anyway, the games are being held, of course, on Emma's birthday, anyhow. But um <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just stick to uh I'll just stick to having my my the bluey themed uh day that my mom was was planning for me initially of course. anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's All way right. more yeah. my speed. Yeah, yeah, and there's a and the and the culture and the uh, lore around the uh, so-called Florida man. I think that's something I don't think uh, probably something that's a little bit uh, out of our comprehension, at least for this podcast, anyway. Here, a bit of an update on uh, on my hometown. Here, um, there was going to be a memorial, or well, a museum actually, um, for the uh, Pulse nightclub uh, after um, uh, several years after the twenty uh, 29- 2016, excuse me, 2016 uh, nightclub shooting over there. Uh, the One Post Foundation on Friday announced it was no longer planning to build a museum to honor the victims of that horrific event. It will give the land back to Orange County uh, and, of course, to the city of Orlando. Um, 
And a letter to County Chairman Earl Crittenden said modifications to the original plans were not enough to save the museum project as, and asked the county that asked that asked that the county, excuse me, terminate the agreement it had with the foundation. He also announced his resignation as foundation chairman on Thursday. His last day was on October 31st. The museum was going to be uh, built near the nightclub. There was also going to be a pathway to where that memorial would be. There's no word yet on exactly what the new plans are for the, uh, for the site of the Pulse nightclub, which is currently an interim memorial. So um, there is that. And uh, finally, uh, we have a uh, we kind of we talked a little bit about the uh, pumpkin spice lattes. Uh, I think in our first episode of the, uh, I think it was was it during the first episode of this season, Emma, that we talked about the uh, PSL thing there that uh, Starbucks was doing. I believe so. If I'm remembering correctly, yes, it was on the on the Corpse Bride episode where you got to listen to me unceremoniously rant about pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, anyway, uh, Starbucks is, uh, has already rolled out their holiday menu, Season of Joy, at the uh, famed coffee house uh, chain. Uh, uh, the holiday cups are going to be uh, coming up as well uh, sometime later throughout the month here. There's going to be some, there's also some new flavors like the iced gingerbread oat milk chai. There also, there's also some returning seasonal favorites, including the peppermint mocha, caramel brulee latte, the chestnut praline latte, and the ice sugar cookie almond milk latte. Almond milk latte, excuse me. Uh, Starbucks stores that serve the Olianto beverages, that is the olive oil infused uh, coffee. Uh, they'll also offer the new Olianto gingerbread oat milk, oat milk latte, the first Olianto holiday beverage. I cannot even speak tonight. Um, there's also um, some uh, favorite treats coming back here. Uh, Cranberry and Bliss Bar, Gingerbread Loaf, uh, the Peppermint Brownie Cake Pop, Snowman Cookie, and the Sugar Plum Cheese Dinner. So, so if you happen to have a Starbucks nearby or, well, well, you have a favorite Starbucks to go to anyway, uh, you, might, you might as well go ahead and stop by, check check those treats and those drinks out, and enjoy them while they last throughout the holiday season. Very, very excited for the peppermint mocha, I must say. One, probably, probably my favorite thing about the holiday season <laughs> is having a peppermint mocha, regardless of whether or not it's, you know, from Starbucks or at home, you know, I make one at home or uh, from one of my favorite uh, more... Uh, indie brand uh coffee shops just yeah peppermint mochas they're there to die for they almost make uh they almost make um having to listen to the same carols over and over again while you're pushing through crowds at the mall worth it <laughs> uh, since you since you love the uh, since you like the peppermint mocha do you like it hot iced or as a frappuccino beverage I, uh hot primarily i like it hot um i actually haven't had an iced one. I think I'd like probably would like it iced. Um, but yeah, hot's my my way to go with that drink. Yeah, I've tried it I've tried it both hot and as a frappe, as a frappuccino. They're both good. They're both really good. Yeah, need to get something like that eventually. Just ah, one of my one of my favorite little seasonal comforts there. And uh, you know, is is <laughs> not to change the subject, I suppose, but as much as I uh as much as I, I pretend to not like the holidays, I do like the holidays. It's just that they are very, very stressful. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
especially this year with all the family stuff that's been going on. But, you know, that being said, I want to try to have as best of a Christmas as I possibly can. But, you know, we'll get to the holidays when we get to the holidays. I might as well just focus on my surviving November and then uh, we'll we'll go from there. (laughs) Of course. And of course, all the Christmas, uh, all all the radio stations playing Christmas music quite early uh, this year. Here, uh, I'm not really sure uh, when the um, when the traditional Christmas music station in my uh, in my uh, neck of the woods is going to start playing. It probably like around the second week of uh, this month here. But uh, I don't know. Is there such a thing as there being too early for Christmas? As you as you um, as it might be as it as it's never too early for Halloween. As Hypocritical as I, as hypocritical as I might sound, might say yes, it is. There is absolutely such thing as a too early for Christmas, um, but that's just me. Uh, I also just recognize the fact that you know Christmas enjoyers, they're pretty much just like Halloween enjoyers, except because you know we just utterly adore a holiday, even though it's 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 a different one. So yeah, no hate to Christmas people. You guys are for the most part pretty cool, um, but. Yeah, just at least for me, I, I I'd rather people not talk about Christmas until November. <laughs> and it's November though, so talk about Christmas all you want in front of me, um, if you if you really want to. Uh, but yeah, just <laughs> at least for me, again, no hate to people who want to put up, you know, their Christmas tree in July or whatever. But <laughs> just just keep Christmas out of my hair you know just just try to keep it away from me until november <laughs> wait till you find out that uh filipinos in the philippines celebrate christmas as early as september hey i mean again if you want to live that life then by then by all means i'm not i'm not here to judge <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not, I, again, i'm filipino is- i mean i'm filipino i'm i but i don't i don't celebrate christmas that early <laughs> Well, hey, you know, we all we all have our things that make life worth living. And if Christmas is, you know, speaking hypothetically here, and if Christmas is yours, then cool. Enjoy it. Who am, who am I or who is anybody to rain on your parade? Just as long as you let me have my Halloween in peace. <laughs> 24-7, 365, of course. Amen. Even on Christmas. <laughs> The Nightmare Before Christmas. We, we discussed about that uh, two weeks ago with uh, Maddie, by the way. Oh, please. Please give that episode a listen. It's a fun one, if you haven't already. Yep. We're going to be talking about Haley's On It, and uh, we'll have a second exclusive with Jim Stanton coming up. Jerry's going to tell you all about it. Uh, uh, before we go on to break here, we'll be right back with more of the Zachary and Peaches show. Next on the Zachary and Peaches show, the future is in her hands. Adrian and Emma talk about one of Disney's latest animated television series, Haley's On It. They'll go in-depth into its current storyline and how overcoming fears serve as the vehicle for Haley's to-do list. And later, it's a Sackland exclusive. Jim Stanton of Studio 31 Media Archive talks about fair use, the tribulations the broadcast media archivist has faced recently, and what lies ahead for his YouTube channel. Coming up after the break. Looking for a place to discuss about what's happening in the broadcast media industry? Then look no further than Broadcast Plaza. 
Broadcast Plaza is the number one Discord server dedicated to discussing about all forms of broadcasting, from television to radio, and everything else in between, from the anchors and reporters to appearance and sound, and other forms of media everyone enjoys. And the best part? Passionate individuals get to mingle with professionals within the industry on all mediums. Join us now at the link in this episode's description, or visit discord.gg forward slash broadcast plaza. Broadcast Plaza, this is the place. Adrian Mata, The Zach Green Pizza Show, and Zach Lim serve as a proud partner of Broadcast Plaza. Join today. listeners can reply to this platform's Q&A feature on their mobile device to have their say. You can also reply on Adrian's profile at adrianmata26 on DeviantArt and Tumblr, this episode's recap entry on both platforms, or through our show's Instagram and Threads accounts at Zachary and Peaches with your thoughts. We can't wait to hear what you have to say. Divergent, in-depth, unique. You're listening to the Zachary and Peaches Show. Alongside Emma Settles, I'm Adrian Monta. We're back with the Zachary and Peaches Show, and we're going to get to it with one of Disney's latest animated series uh, after uh, Amphibia and uh, The Owl House, and um, I think there was one other series that uh, that I think... Um, I think had ended its run like a long time. Well, anyway, after Amphibia and Owl House, uh, Disney has a couple new animated series uh, to, uh, of course, uh, air and, of course, stream right now on Disney Plus. And one of those is Haley's On It. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I'd rather kind of reserve some of my initial reactions, obviously, till the initial reactions post. Um, but. I mean, and I think we did talk about this a little bit when we did a SCD, at least a par- partial uh, portion of an SCD segment on, uh, you know, the, the future of Disney TVA and of the current shows that are in their lineup, uh, including like The Ghost and Molly McGee and a whole bunch of other uh, series like that. Um, but it's been at least inferred that Disney had been making a bit of a shift from um, more story-driven shows such as The Owl House and Amphibia to a more episodic uh, serial type of cartoon, which, I mean, again, um, it's kind of like pitting apples and oranges against each other, so you can't really argue whether or not, you know, which one is better. It's all a matter of personal taste. Um, because, I mean, if anything, two of my favorite all-time, uh, cartoons are, uh, just serial shows, and then another favorite, as I, you know, mentioned earlier, The Owl House, is story-driven. Uh, so, you know, that being said, yeah, uh, again, there's, 
there's a lot you can, you know, infer about it, and it's all a lot about, mostly about personal taste. Um, oh, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna withhold some of my uh, initial just reactions, not only to that, but just on to the nature of this show in general. Um, until we get to the specifics later. Um, but yeah, Adrian, uh, would you care to tell our lovely audience about uh, Haley's on it? Yeah, ready or not, here we go. On the night of a brand new year, Haley Banks' life starts to turn upside down when a scientist visits her from the future. The mission? To complete her big list of things she's totally gonna do to kickstart the timeline that will lead her to save the world. Alongside her friend Scott Denoga, the two of them set out to complete the long list of Haley's tasks, all while trying to overcome her fears and confronting her feelings with Scott as the Chaos Bots set out in various attempts to prevent her from checking off her to-do list. So uh, there's uh, there's your basic uh, plot or synopsis of the uh, of this new Disney television uh, animated series. And uh, let's get to the uh, let's get to the storyline here. We're gonna get on to uh, I guess we're gonna go on and just talk about the first episode here because uh, uh, I'm going to admit here uh, I've only gotten through halfway through the. Um, the um the first episode here but before we, we started recording this episode for this week but uh but we are gonna try but we're gonna try here so uh how do you want to start this off Anna? i mean i i guess from here um you know as as we usually do it from you know our basic uh discussions with synopsis um why don't we delve into some of the storyline and you know even though we mentioned at least I had mentioned that this series is a little bit more episodic. At the same token, though, there is still at least partially, or at least, you know, yeah, there's still a partial um, underlying story to why everything, you know, why specifically is all of this happening uh, to Haley and to uh, everyone around her um, and her friend group and such. Um and again, you know, with we can we can only speculate that you know this could eventually evolve into a more story driven show, or it could you know just stay exactly as it is and have moments of an overarching story uh, just poke through similarly, um, like what Phineas and Ferb and even to a degree uh, Gravity Falls did. Um, before, of course, more of the, the, the ending seasons, which had more of a, of a through line, um, or a slightly more complete through line at the very least. Um, but yeah, in general, why don't we uh, break down at least the pilot episode so we can discuss the nature of this possible uh, plot line that at the very least is just going to inform how the overall arching story will pan out regardless yeah, of the sure. format it chooses. Yeah, sure. So uh, it's New Year's. So of course it's New Year's, uh, it's New Year's Eve slash New Year's day. Um, Haley and her friend Scott, they're, uh, they're kind of really uh, thinking about what the res resolutions are going to be for the new year. Um, uh, and uh, they decide they want to try and their resolution is going to be, their resolutions are going to be to try and do something, do something new here. Uh, Scott, of course, being somebody who uh, who will fully commit to the bit, but Haley um, constantly, you know, you know, kind of really talks herself out of doing things, and and she even keeps like a book of, of course, the uh, the uh, big 
the uh, the big list of uh, big list of things uh, she's totally going to going to do. Uh, but but of course, all the items there they're kind of really left unchecked there. Uh, I think at the start of that series there. Um, I think that I think after they ring in the new year, uh, that's when we have. That's when the professor, the scientist from the future, um, um, this uh, this professor um, comes from the future, tells Haley that uh, to uh, hang on to that to do list because uh, because that's that's it's a very important document, and of course, uh, it's gonna it's she's got to do all of the things in that to do list to. Um, to kickstart the timeline of uh, you know saving the world and uh, reversing the effects of climate change and all that, so so uh, so kind of a really almost a daunting prospect to uh, to consider, uh, especially to start off the series and start off the series anyway. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, just, just the the prospect of you know basically you know you start. If, imagine just putting yourself in Haley's shoes for a second here. You know, you're just a regular teenage kid. You know, you do, you know, silly things and you make bucket lists and, you know, have all of these plans of stuff that, you know, you like to do during your life. I'll, you know, regardless how outlandish uh, some of the goals may seem as, uh, you know, as some of the uh, the episodes... Um, and even the, uh, the theme song of the show, you know, everything from, you know, doing a corn maze to, and not getting lost at all, to winning the world's cutest pet rock contest, to eating a whole raw onion, to just a whole bunch of just goofy stuff. In the addition, of course, to, uh, finally confessing that she's got massive feelings for her best friend, Scott. Um, but yeah, I mean, in general, that having this big of a list and and in general, and especially with some stuff that's very that's could either be incredibly wacky, embarrassing, or just in general very uh, nerve you know very nerve wracking to do, especially in Haley's case, who is you know deathly terrified of possibly you know ruining her friendship with Scott by you know. By either kissing him at the very at the as, as the list suggests, or just in general telling him that you know she likes him. But you know that being said, that's that's daunting enough. Now all of a sudden you have this scientist time traveling from the future to current Haley and going like, "Hey, keep that list because if you do everything on that list, it's going to save the world." So that being said, I can only imagine just how much pressure this kid is was under already, you know, mostly self-inflicted. And now, now this other entity that is, you know, bigger than herself, uh, who's, you know, basically an agent trying to, uh, trying to prevent the, the literal apocalypse from happening. <laughs> and yeah telling her that yeah you need to do everything on that list or else you know climate change is going to get so bad that it's just going to wipe out all life on the planet so you know that being said after being told that i can only imagine just how much more pressure Haley felt and actually that gets started 
get, you know, as the title suggests, onto that specific list. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, so, uh, anyway, um, of course, uh, when uh, Scott returns, uh, you know, Haley um, tells him tells him what's uh, what's going on, and of course, uh, of course, uh, we we are then introduced to this um, this AI named Beta, who's uh, who who who's going to help uh, Haley complete all the tasks that are on her to do list. Uh, and so, uh, and so it kind of relates to them of being able to complete like uh, several other tasks. Um, number number one ninety five, free Sid the psychic squid from a pair of radio hosts, and um, and you know um, there is that, and uh, and you know Haley just kind of wants to, she kind of wants to brush uh, brush aside the uh, the fact that she kind of has feelings for uh, for Scott. And she kind of wants to, but but she does have feelings for him. But but um, she wanted to, she wanted to change the item. I think from kissing Scott Denoga to kicking Scott Denoga. There is a brief uh, time rip in the a brief rip in the time uh, space continuum. And of course, uh, she is warned that if she does not complete all the items on that to do list or modifies one of them, you know, she's going to be on the worst timeline possible. And then and then from there. Um, Beta then suggests uh, number two thirty nine. Write every right at the county fair, and of course that's where this I I think that's where the the notion of trying to overcome one's own fears uh, comes into play here. And uh, you know uh, they go on every single they go on almost every single ride. Uh, they do get on this one particular ride. Um, uh, which uh, which kind of really goes a little bit awry. It kind of starts spinning way too fast there because there's a chaos bot that kind of messes, that kind of uh, tinkers or well tampers with the wiring there and uh, here. But uh, but then of course uh, with with Scott's help and of course uh, of course the uh, popular girl at uh, Haley School, Christine Sanchez, uh, with her scarf, uh, Haley does manage to turn off that uh, turn off the ride and save everybody that that was in it. So uh, there is that. There's also one more ride that uh, you know she and Scott have not gotten on yet, and of course being the tunnel of love, uh, and uh, of course um, some lovey dovey stuff there. Haley froze up uh, as they're about to uh, kiss, uh, and then uh, of course um, Christine wants to ask Scott out on a you know you know on a date or something, and. Uh, and uh, and then after that, we got another bit of a, another rip in the time continuum. Um, but um, yeah, and then uh, of course uh, she does deal with them a bit like to, at the end of the episode. So I think that's really much. That's pretty much about it as as far as we can probably. Uh, I think as far as we could try and summarize uh, what happened in the first episode. There, uh, there are other episodes, of course, to uh, stream on Disney Plus, and of course, uh, new episodes air on Disney uh, Channel anyway. But uh, yeah, but. Uh, that's really about it as far as the storyline goes. Yeah, I mean, just again, the sheer the, the sheer terror that Haley faces and just the fact that the show itself is so centered around conquering fears and you know, trying to live your your own life to the fullest um in a lot of extents um you know, that obviously sort of being one of the, the overarching messages, but having it sort of 
um, really sort of shoved down your throat by the possibility of the world literally ending um, is, as I keep saying, uh, ten times more daunting for Haley than the the possibility of, you know, asking her best friend out or, you know, doing uh, particularly challenging or stressful things uh, in general would be so... Yeah, that being said, the fact that Haley had, at least in this episode, already sort of uh, screwed up on her ability, uh, you know, screwed up on the on the, the the completion of the list is, um, especially this early in the series, is I think it's a it's a testament to Haley's current state of her character being. Um, pretty, pretty anxiety-ridden um, from everything that, you know, we know about her so far. But, yeah, just, the, the, but at the very least, she did technically complete the goal. However, you know, even though not quite to the complete best of her ability, because she also didn't, you know, t- wasn't able to tick off, uh, kiss Scott off of the list yet, Due to literally puking in the tunnel of love, um, <laughs> uh, me very very much me too, Haley. Except it, you know, just wouldn't be out of nerves. Um, <laughs> very much arrow ace over here. Um, but you know, I'm I'm that being said, um, yeah. I mean, I guess in general, sort of thinking about some of the the standard that Haley's being held to by the professor by beta even by herself especially by herself I feel I think another key takeaway to this show at, at the very least again I'm kind of speculating here because I think it's probably at least a little bit too early, too early to tell especially if you know we don't have um you know much more development of the overarching storyline uh of the series besides of course you know more rifts being caused in the space-time continuum and things slowly but surely becoming wackier and wackier and more chaos uh bots slowly but surely entering into the current timeline with which Haley resides I I think one thing that I that I that's that's really coming to mind when I'm thinking about you know, the nature of this series is that I think the whole idea of perfectionism uh, may be an overarching sort of common theme. Or, you know, or if the idea of it isn't mentioned in the series at all, you know, when when the time comes that it, you know, finally, finally ends, um, if it hasn't, you know, been brought up at least once in a pretty big important or interesting way i think it would be a disservice to the series especially considering uh the nature of Haley's character currently and the, her continuing arc throughout the series um because you know there's nothing there's nothing more boring at the very least in a cartoon that has even some semblance of an overarching story that doesn't have any sort of personality shift at all, even if it, even if it's minor. I mean, especially in a, in a more modern animation context. But 
Um, I think, or at least my, my hope is, is that this show will eventually address perfectionism as in the means of the fact that, you know, even though the professor and Beta and, you know, all the people who are trying to, again, stop the literal apocalypse, you know, they, they want Haley to do good things and they want her to step outside of her comfort zone and they want her to do hard and scary things because it, in some ways, you know, you never know whether or not it could wind up being good, you know, the outcome being good, bad, or indifferent. But at the same token, though, you know, with the whole concept of, you know, completing the list to its, you know, entirety and in the most literal sense of the form, like you can't do something sort of by proxy or by accident or, you know, whatever the case is without the space time continuum literally ripping open and, and causing more chaos um, in the current timeline. You know, that being said, I think eventually Haley, once she sort of musters up a little bit more courage, I think in general, I think it could, you know, behoove her to sort of, you know, mention the fact that, hey, you know, maybe I am, you know, tasked with completing all of the items on this list. However, it didn't say that I had to do them perfectly. I just need to get them done. So I think just in general, the whole realization of done is better than perfect may, or at least should, be addressed eventually, especially as Haley realizes that, you know, she's doing something that is incredibly hard. You know, it would be hard if it was just under normal circumstances, but under extraordinary circumstances, it's 15 times as hard for her. So... You know, that being said, at the very least, she needs to realize that, you know, maybe she needs to be cutting herself a little bit more slack, as in addition to, of course, you know, taking the advice of all the other characters that are here to, you know, remind her of her journey. Um, so I think, you know, mentioning the balance between stepping outside of your comfort zone, but not doing it in a way that is harmful to your own well-being or at least you know constantly harmful to your own well-being i think would be something that would be i think that would be an ideal circumstance to have addressed within the show at least in one context or another even if it's you know framed as you know so even if that's somehow framed as being a comedic situation bringing up something you know something of that caliber, you know, at, at the very least, I think it, it eventually should be addressed. But again, you know, it's not my show. It's, and, you know, I've, I've only, uh, <laughs> I've only experienced so much of it myself. So that being said, I can't really say one way or another what the intentions of the developers of this series are. So that being said, I think all we really have to do is just keep watching as Haley's character arc continues to shift both for the better and for the worse. You mentioned something about, you know, the, uh, the concept of perfectionism and it kind of really goes in, I guess it kind of really goes hand in hand with trying to uh, overcome, overcome uh, one's own fears of uh, doing something. And I think, you know, Haley trying to talk herself out of it. I think that's a sign that, uh, 
that is a sign that of course, you know, she is afraid of, you know, failing to, uh, failing at the, failing at the task. But of course the point of the, the point of, you know, as we kind of saw in the first episode, or, or at least we tried to see in the, in the first episode of this, uh, of this show that, you know, of course, just getting it done is better than just getting it, getting it right and getting it perfectly done. And so it's kind of, I think it's just kind of really something important to consider. I think I'm sure they'll have something. I'm sure, I'm sure the creators, I'm sure the writers, the the team over at Haley's on it. They, they, I think they might have something figured out that they'll to where they'll probably, you know, properly address all like all the uh, certain stuff going on, like throughout the course of the series. And, well, with uh, with Haley's character arc and uh, and even some of the other characters as well as the, uh, as uh, we get to see uh, their characters, uh, you know, develop over time throughout the series. Yeah, precisely. I mean, I think just having the opportunity for, at the very least, the main characters to grow is is in some way, shape, or form. I think is you know an integral part of just the overall nature of the very least you know modern animation and of telling a story with such a strong message and such a prolific message that you know resonates not just with its target audience but with anyone who tunes in you know i feel like in one way shape or form we've all been particularly hard on ourselves for you know not doing something as best as we could or, you know, being or being convinced that our best isn't good enough in one way, shape or form, or, you know, at the very least, you know, being utterly terrified of the prospect that, you know, what if this happens if I do this, you know, what if this and this, you know, sort of getting caught up in that spiral of what if that it eventually you know, just completely and utterly breaks us down and prevents us from even considering taking a step out of our comfort zone or, you know, doing something that is different that, for all we know, could have been a good idea or could have been something that, you know, worked out for the better. But yeah, I mean, in general, I think in one way, shape, or form, eventually the show, I think, will will start to touch base on some of its more core concepts specifically just surrounding the nature of learning how to not just overcome one's fear but do it in a way that honors our fearful selves and slowly but surely working our way up to becoming more and more courageous without you know without tearing each other apart <laughs> yeah certainly so uh anyway um to kind of really wrap it up here how, how do you think it compares to the other um uh, other series that have already ended on the Disney Channel so far, like the Owl House and Amphibia. Is it too early to say at this point how Haley's on it will compare? You know, I think ultimately, as you said, with, um, and this was one of my famous phrases back in, you know, early season one, but yeah, I think in general, it is, I, I think it's at least partially too early to tell um, whether or not this series is going to quote unquote live up to its full potential or whatever the case is because you know we only have a vague idea of what the overarching story of the show is and if you really think about it the premise itself is very simplistic 
it's basically just, you know, one of the situations, you know, basically when it comes down to it, the story is just complete the checklist or bad stuff will happen. Um, Of course, you know, we, at least partial character growth or the least, you know, and only assume the po- the possibility of character growth in the midst of that, as well as some, you know, fun visual imagery and jokes and everything that you know is is very typical of a cartoon, especially you know one specifically designed for you know kids and preteens. But you know, I- I'm not what I what I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm genuinely not going to lie with this, but the second I heard about Haley's on it and the second I, I sort of, you know, I watched the trailers and I, 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 you know, my first reaction to this was, is this really what we're replacing Amphibia and the Owl House with? Like, Disney, come on. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I was so underwhelmed with the idea of this series and partially i will admit i still kind of am but you know again there is every more every possibility that it could become more interesting or that it could have some sort of you know profound moral or lesson or whatever the case is you know as the show continues to develop but at the same token though i i'm not gonna lie with you and say that, you know, oh, I was really excited for this, this, this concept once I learned about it. No, I, I was genuinely disappointed. And I'm like, I'm very much skeptical about, you know, how well this will do, or, you know, just in general, how well Disney's current lineup uh, will do, especially after the immense success and the immense tonal shift uh, that the Owl House and Amphibia provided uh, Disney TVA. But, you know, again, I want to withhold any particular judgment, especially as the series is still in it, for the most part, in its infancy. So, yeah, all I have to do is, you know, keep, even if I'm not, you know, compelled to specifically watch it, at the very least, I will still, you know, read up on it and try to keep tabs on, you know, what the situation is with it. But, you know, I also have to realize, you know, I'm experiencing this show as a 22-year-old person, (laughs) as opposed to, you know, someone who's 9, 10, 11, 12, you know, within Haley's age range. Um, you know, I'm not a preteen, I'm not a young teen, um, so, you know, that being said, some of what, you know, some of the stuff, you know, obviously would have resonated with me when I was that age. But, you know, now that I'm an adult, I have bigger fish to fry and, and, and different flavors of problems um, <laughs> than what Haley goes through. Um, even though I will admit stopping the end of the world is is uh, kind of a <laughs> kind of a difficult uh difficult cross to bear um so she has my sympathy on that one (laughs) very much so but yeah i mean i think in general you know this series could work very very i think it could just be one of the situations where it works incredibly well 
for its target audience, but it's not really something that, you know, older people who aren't, you know, like massive, massive Disney people could, you know, flock to in droves. Um, but yeah, in, I mean, in general, that's just my initial reaction to it, and we just have to keep waiting and, and seeing to uh, see what the future holds for not just Haley herself, but the nature of her, her series. Uh, what do you think, Adrian? I think it's a little bit uh, early for me to say at this point, considering I've only gotten halfway through uh, the first episode there. So I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to keep it, keep uh, some tabs on the on the series here and just kind of see how how the storyline is going to go here, uh, based on the uh, rather limited discussion that uh, that we've had uh, uh, this week on the program here. But uh, anyway, uh, I wanted to ask you, how did you overcome your worst fear? Um, how did you overcome that? Oh. That's a, that's an interesting question. Um, worst fear, hmm. I mean, honestly, now that you mention it, I don't necessarily even know if I have faced my worst fear yet. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I guess, you know, a worst recent fear at the very least, you know, if if we want to put it back in more of a, a current sort of context. Um, graduation was definitely something that I was point blank. I, pretty, to be completely honest with you, I was utterly terrified about it. You know, what life would bring for me after graduation. And, you know, that being said, my life certainly hasn't been a big bowl of cherries. Um, and, you know, I, I'm still searching for a paid position, but at the same token, though, you know, I'm getting commissions, at least sometimes, you know, I'm going to be working at a craft fair in literally less than a month now. Um, I'm working with the Childhood Cancer Society and doing animation for them. I'm still illustrating a novel. I'm, you know, working on personal projects and trying to get a, all while trying to apply for, you know, paid uh, animation and illustration positions that are a little bit more, at least a little bit more secure than, you know, one-time freelance gigs or, you know, unpaid positions. But, you know, at, at the same time, though, I, I'm still thankful that I was able to you know, tell myself, you know, ultimately, you know, your situation is only as, at least in, in this circumstance, your situation really is only as helpless as you think it is. So, yeah, I mean, even despite as many failures and rejections as I've come across throughout my, you know, waiting game period, um, at the same token, though, I'm still trying to make some level of progress towards my future. And, you know, even though it's not the ideal situation, I'm still doing things that in, you know, one day will get me some kind of job and it will get me a kind of job that, you know, I actually, you know, really, really want to be doing. So, you know, yeah, ultimately, unlike a lot of you know, I mean, I guess, you know, if we're hearkening this back to Haley's on it, you know, 
at least in this circumstance, you know, Haley's circumstance in particular, rather, um, initially all of these, you know, goals that she had set for herself were optional, and some were probably even made as, you know, jokes or as, you know, thinking, this is so outlandish, I could never do that. Um, but now that these goals have not be have literally, you know, been assigned to her, um, for a very specific reason, at the same token, though, you know, it's, I, I can only feel that, you know, we're, we're in a kind of a similar boat in the circumstance that, you know, th- these things are inevitable. It's not like I wasn't going to graduate, like, you know, <laughs> with as well as I was doing and, you know, with as many credits as I have completed, you know, there was no stopping me from graduating. So it was kind of like, you know, it was, it was inevitable. So, you know, I couldn't have, I couldn't have avoided it. So, you know, that being said, I just kind of took a deep breath, took the plunge, reveled a little bit in the idea that, you know, I did so well in college and I had a good, you know, college experience. And then, once I, you know, came home, I just pretty much, you know, can worked as much as I could in order to continue to improve my craft, be that, you know, with animation or with illustration or with, you know, fursuit making or, you know, whatever the case was in the hopes that, you know, someday, somehow, someone will see my, will see my, my, uh, uh, the flares that I've been shooting up into the sky in that vast, uh, forest of, you know, whatever, and eventually find me and answer them, um, and answer them in a way that's, you know, positive and, and helps me move forward with the course of my life. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I'm thinking to myself, oh, I haven't really gone, you know, being, being me being goofy, thinking to myself, oh, I haven't, you know, faced my biggest fear yet. And, you know, I think at the very least, I know I've faced one of them and I faced one of them this year and I don't think I give myself enough credit for facing it as well as I did. So, yeah, I mean, I think now with one particularly scary thing out of, uh, out of my way, now it's just time to continue to move forward and, uh, and encountering obstacles and triumphs exactly how they come how uh, how about you adrian anything in particular that stands out that you feel like you'd like to talk about i mean uh my worst fear kind of really was realized when i was let go from um from my uh older job uh my uh my job over at SeaWorld. and i think it was just really it was really just a set of circumstances that uh ended up being my own uh my own fault and um and so it was just really, it was kind of really hard to kind of really go about, you know, being unemployed uh, because of because of my own doing and uh, and just trying to get and trying to find another job. And you know, there was I think I think I will admit the fear kind of settled in. And I think I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to find another job because I was kind of thinking I kind of want to just you know do some self I want to do self employment for the time being, but it just wasn't really. Unless if I was, you know, unless if I had been able to find a way to be able to sustain myself financially, you know, through self-employment, then uh, then there was really not much of a way, 
you know, out of that situation. So it was just at that point, it was just kind of like trying to trying to plug and play and uh, trying to see which jobs I could apply to and whatnot. And uh, and eventually, I just uh, I went into a seasonal position, of course, with Universal and uh, and uh, of course doing the uh, the uh, holiday parade uh, at Universal Studios, which of course will be starting up in uh, starting up again in a few weeks' time. Um, but, um, but I kind of got my foot in the door with them. And eventually I decided I kind of wanted, I feel like I kind of wanted, I kind of wanted to, um, I kind of wanted to, I kind of like them for the most part. Um, uh, and then the, uh, and then I decided, and then, uh, the opportunity kind of came along to try and I guess the opportunity kind of came along to try and apply to, uh, work at Aquatica over at, uh, at, at, uh, SeaWorld's water park over there. And uh, obviously that went away because of, again, the circumstances that revolve around uh, my letting go from the company, uh, from SeaWorld, um, um, that that um, I, I won't get into, of course, because um, it's kind of really, it's just kind of really a bit of a sensitive uh, topic for me to discuss about. But, but of course, that opportunity went away. And so I decided, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to stick with Universal Orlando and just, you know kind of see where where things go with them them and i've been working for them like uh, about eight months now so um yeah so in a way it was kind of like i've kind of overcome that fear that fear for the most part at least i have a job now but but you know it's not it's not it's not always guaranteed you know you know having to having that job having uh you know having to uh, go get the get the paychecks and all that and you know and even then, even I kind of worry about the little things as well. Like, uh, like I kind of worry about, you know, something like little things going on at work and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, so, so it's kind of, so I guess the fears are kind of still there, but that's just because I want, because of course, uh, the expectation for me is to provide the best, uh, guest experience possible for, uh, for of course the guests. So, and just, and just trying to have fun as, uh, have as much fun uh as uh as the guests are you know you know like with, with myself doing the of course of course the uh of course the job and all that so yeah so that's kind of really about it yeah i mean we can only move on one day at a time and continue to uh take lessons from the situations that might have not panned out as well as we had hoped and uh you know, at, at the at the very least, I'm happy that you're happy with your new position and that you're able to continue to grow with Universal. Um, yeah, that being said, congratulations to as much success as you've had. And I continue to hope uh, that that position and whatever else you do in the future uh, works out incredibly well for you. Yeah, just hoping for um, just hoping for something a little bit better and. Uh... Just hoping, you know, maybe it'll lead me somewhere, uh, I think, to uh, a bit of a better position, either within the company or outside of there. So, uh, yeah, just uh, just something kind of really – it was just a question I wanted to ask you. And then then uh, then, then it kind of really, of course, came right, came right back around to me. And I kind of really thought maybe – I think perhaps what I went through last year, it was really – to put it in a song, it would be uh, The Hard Way by Celine Dion. And, uh, you know, this, this ain't, this, uh, this ain't how the story's going to end. This is not how I'm going to go down. Um, I'm going to get through it yeah, one way or another. And just, uh, somehow, some way I got through it, but, uh, 
but you know, there's still there's still a lot more ahead uh, as far as my life is concerned, and you know, still got a lot to learn. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. We can only keep moving forward. Yep, Haley's on it is streaming now on Disney Plus. New episodes are airing on Disney Channel, of course. Uh, and of course, we'll have to check on the schedules for that. Um, in the meantime, though, we are going to take another break here on the Zachary Peter Show. We got a, we have a Zachary exclusive uh, to get to, uh, and that involves fair use, copyrights, and archiving broadcast media. We'll get to that in just a moment here on the Zachary Peter Show. We'll be right back. Coming up, it's a Sackland exclusive you'll only hear on the Zachary and Peaches Show. Fair use, copyrights, and a passion for archiving broadcast media. Tell the cautionary tale of Studio 31 Media Archive. We talk with Studio 31's owner Jim Stanton on the challenges he's faced recently in running his YouTube channel and what lies ahead for its future. The important discussion, next. Is this week's question. We talked about one of Disney's latest series, Haley's On It, and how the show aims to address overcoming one's own fears, especially when it comes to saving the world. This week, we want to hear how you overcame your worst fear. Spotify listeners, reply now for the Q&A feature on your mobile device. Otherwise, reply to this episode's recap entry on DeviantArt and Tumblr through Adrian's profile on both platforms, at AdrianMana26, or to our show's Instagram and Threads account, at Zachary and Peaches. Zachary and Peaches show resumes in just a moment. The Zachary and Peaches show, where we always feature animation, autism, and everything else. And on November 21st, it'll be your turn to contribute to the discussion. Metal. The fan request episode is coming. Submit your discussion ideas today to zacharyandpeaches at gmail.com. Then listen to the Zachary and Peaches show on November 21st to hear your suggestions being discussed. Animation, autism, and now everything else. The Zachary and Peaches show continues with a Sackland exclusive. It's a story you'll only hear first on the Zachary and Peaches show. Fair use, copyrights, and archiving broadcast media tell the cautionary tale of Studio 31 Media Archive and its owner, Jim Stanton. This week, we talk with a San Antonio, Texas-based archivist about the recent challenges he's faced in running his popular YouTube channel with over 5,000 subscribers and many countless views of the recordings of newscasts captured for others to view. The important interview and discussion, a Zachary exclusive, right now on Zachary and Peaches. Welcome back to the Zachary and Peaches show, everybody. I'm Emma Settles, alongside my wonderful co-host, Adrian Mata. And uh, for this SCD segment, we're actually doing something a little different. Uh, as the, uh, <laughs> as the, the title of suggestion, uh, the title of the segment suggests, um, how dare us do anything different on the something completely different segment. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, jokes aside, um, Adrian, why don't you give us a little rundown on, uh, what our STD segment is for tonight's episode. Or this week, rather, actually. Um, but, um, 
Yeah, uh, as as uh, as I said in the tease leading up to uh, this uh, particular uh, uh, segment here earlier before we recorded this episode, uh, I did an interview with uh, Jim Stanton, who owns Studio Thirty One Media Archive. It is, of course, a YouTube channel that has posted uh, recordings of a newscast uh, from various different markets and uh, uh, from various stations uh, in a way, to, in a way, in a bit of a way that you know showcases you know. Uh, the reporting styles of those stations, uh, their and their news departments, and also the uh, the visual aspect, the visual and uh, sound and appearance aspects of those uh, television stations and whatnot. But uh, recently, of course, um, uh, the channel has faced two copyright strikes in the past uh, few weeks, and of course, um, things have not really been looking great uh, for the channel. But uh, but Jim was uh, very kind enough to be able to uh, give me an opportunity to interview him as part of. Uh, as part of this Zaklin exclusive, a first that we are doing here on this podcast here. And so uh, here is the interview with uh, Jim Stanton. And uh, hopefully um, there's going to be some, some important stuff uh, for you to uh, peruse through uh, as a part of that interview. Jim, it's a... Uh, uh, it's great to have you uh, on the Zachary and Peter show. I wish it was under uh, better circumstances, uh, given what you've been going through the past... Uh, a few weeks or so, but uh, first of all, how are you feeling right now? Um, I feel better than I than I did about two weeks ago. I felt it was because this all happened maybe two weeks ago. So at that time, yeah, that was it was a lot to take in for sure. Mm, definitely. So uh, let's go ahead and get started here. So uh, you are, of course, uh, based in San Antonio, Texas, and you are a uh, whenever when you're not you know, at your other job that I won't disclose here, but um, but when you're not working at your other job, that you are a broadcast media archivist. So what exactly does that entail? So uh, yeah, so basically, I uh, record uh, items from television, radio, stuff like that current day and i also try to look at like older stuff off of tapes and stuff but i try to just archive this post it so that way it's preserved for the future so that way maybe 10 years from now you want to see how the news looked or how a promo which is the little things that air in between the newscasts and stuff like that uh how a tv station looked and i think it's important more now than ever to preserve this because uh I would say most regular people, I know you and I are kind of a special breed that we pay attention to stuff like this, but I would say most normal people are not really watching uh, local television anymore. They're kind of more into streaming with like Netflix and all that. So I think it's important to kind of preserve this for for a shrinking audience. Yeah, definitely. And especially when it comes to like, you know, uh, the, uh, I guess I could say I don't know more like um, almost a radiofication of sorts of tell of the of the linear television landscape with um, with uh, I think with local news becoming you know more and more prevalent in uh, TV schedules and and whatnot. That's one example that I I could only think of. But uh, but anyway, uh, uh, what started up your passion uh, for? Uh, for the uh, broadcast uh, and for not only the broadcast industry, but also the news industry as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, I've been interested in this since I was younger. Uh, I wanted to, and almost did pursue the industry. I mean, I had an internship in high school, but uh, 
ended up going a different route for for many reasons but i've always had a passion for it and i've always wanted to see how it's evolved and it continues to evolve like you've mentioned with stations leaning more on local news and all that but i kind of just want to keep keep archiving it because i the industry is continuing to change well always continue to change and i'm just i'm excited to see what's happening and i want to and i want to preserve that i want people to see this is what a station looked like 30 years ago this is what it looks like now and what it'll look like 10 years from now or 20 years from now yeah and another thing that you've that you've also uh done is you've also done this uh podcast called broadcast bulletin uh that uh kind of really um in a way also, you know, gives uh, listeners a bit of a deeper dive into the inner workings of the news industry from people who have, who work in the industry, who have worked in the industry and are out of the industry. So, uh, so uh, tell me a little bit more about that and how, how it kind of really influenced and how it's kind of really affected your passion for the, uh, for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's called Broadcast Bolton. I haven't put it out in a few months just because I've been busy with my main channel, Studio 31. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting uh, podcast I put out because you're right. It gives the listeners insight into the business from those who've been there, uh, those who've left it. And even I've learned a few things. I mean, of course, I don't work in the business, so I don't necessarily know everything that goes on. But I mean, I mentioned I had an internship and I have multiple connections, so I kind of have an idea of what goes on. But even then, talking with some of the people I've learned, stories i didn't even know and the goal of the podcast is just to kind of educate people put them on the inside hopefully and maybe if they want to pursue the business they can uh gain some advice from the from the guests or if they want to leave it uh maybe our guests might say something that might help them and then these people have opened themselves up too so if they come on the show and people want to reach out you know most of these people have made themselves available if, uh, if they want to reach out and give advice to some other people. So I think we've put together a really good platform to kind of educate people on this business because, I mean, as I said, and I, I want to I make this clear to everybody uh, that I have a passion for the business and I don't hate the business and it's going through a lot of change. And the goal with all my platforms is to shine a positive spotlight on the industry and kind of, I guess, give greater awareness to it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, with not only with broadcast bulletin, but also uh, your uh, your YouTube channel, Studio Thirty One Media Archive. It has like over five thousand subscribers who are interested in seeing, you know, how how certain newscasts, uh, you know, may appear on television, like in different markets, different stations, and whatnot. Uh, but recently, you were you were uh, you. Uh, your channel has had uh, two copyright strikes against you, so uh, from uh, two different parties. That uh, again, I won't name here, but but tell me more about the issues that you've had uh, with the uh, with the channel in the past uh, few weeks. Yeah, well, I want to start by saying that until this all happened, maybe three weeks ago, mid October of 2023, uh, we've never had, or I should say, I've never had any issues with any party before until all this. And I've been doing this for a total of 16 years. The channel itself that you see now has only been around since 11. But I mean, I had an old channel before and I've been doing this since 07. And until now, I've never really had an issue with someone trying to 
trying to claim copyright on something uh, for like news broadcasts really like, okay, I get it. If we're posting uh, a full episode of like, say SpongeBob, I mean, obviously the copyright owner is trying to enforce the copyright and make a profit on that. But, and, and I get that, but with what we're doing here, full newscasts, I mean, I post full newscasts and it's difficult because uh, I see the v- historical value in what we do, which is, um, you know, to provide an archive of the news, how it looked and 10 years ago or 10 years now, you know, and I think it's great what we're doing, but obviously there's some people out there who don't think what we're doing, I guess, is right. Maybe they don't understand what we're doing. I don't get it personally because, as I said, with like an episode of SpongeBob or, or whatever, uh, that's meant to be watched over and over and over. But with these newscasts, they're only meant to be watched once. It's not like they're being released on DVD uh, for you to watch later on. I mean, and, and that that's kind of a double-edged sword because, yeah, they're not trying to make profit on it more than once, but at the same time, and you're not going to be able to see it more than once, but at the same time, it's like, I think there's a historical value in being able to go back and watch these old news broadcasts. And that's only the, the only thing we've had issue with is like news broadcasts. I think it's because of the amount we take, which these are like 30 minute shows. Uh, so maybe someone is saying these are too long for fair use. And that's the thing. We post these under fair use. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We post these under fair use. We don't, reach out to them because I know some people are going to say, why aren't you just contacting them and getting permission? The thing is with these news broadcasts, these stations are so understaffed right now uh, that they don't have the resources to license the content out. Uh, There's no person at the station you would really go to. They don't have a process in place at a lot of these stations to even license this content. Uh, And most of the stations understand what we do, so we just post it. Uh, I've always kind of been a believer of the, you know, ask for forgiveness, then permission, because usually permission is going to be no, but forgiveness, you know you usually don't know what to expect. I mean, I guess in a way we take a risk with this because this is copyrighted content. And of course these organizations have every right to enforce that. But then that's another question. Who is able to enforce it? Because I won't give too much away and say who or what, but I will say that at these stations, not just me, but there's ha- there's been other people in the past and now who have had issues too. And it's always like, some mid-level manager at the station. It's not like a copyright lawyer because a lot of these companies do have legal departments. But we, every time we've gotten a copyright issue on a newscast, it's never been, it's never been a, a, a copyright lawyer or just a lawyer in general. It's always been someone with a background in journalism. And I don't think they truly understand the fair use aspect. I think that that speaks to what we do. The lawyers have never had an issue. I think they get what we do as fair use. It's always been someone in the in the in the station, and I don't I don't know what their motive is uh, to try to 
take these down. I think it's unfortunate. I mean, I think it's really hurtful to our audience because what we're doing is actually, I wish the stations would see it this way, but I think we're trying to help the stations. I think we're trying to give them publicity. I mean, and I don't think it's fair. I mean, cause they tend to target people like us, like archivists, but I think, I think there's a variety of reasons too. I mean, there's other channels that post the same stuff, but like lower quality and I don't want to name them, but my audience knows who I'm talking about. Uh, there's station, I mean, channels that post them in lower quality and are they going to go after them? I think they might be targeting me too because I post these and like many people have said, like, it looks like you got them right off the air and I try to have the best equipment. I mean, everything I take is from a, like an online stream, but I try to make sure I have like the best equipment so my stuff looks good and maybe they don't want that. I mean, I could speculate on many reasons, but... I just want to say, I don't know what the motive is. I think it's unfortunate, though. I think it's it's hurtful to the audience. Yeah, and, and in the case of one of those parties, uh, and I for, forgive me for uh, going a little bit deeper into this, but uh, but in, one, in case of one of those parties, they, they even posted like the full newscast from a certain station themselves on their own channel. And, and it seems kind of it seems kind of hypocritical in a way to do that, but then deny other archivists the chance to to basically archive the newscast uh, as uh, like under fair use and such. No, I agree. I completely agree with that. Yeah, I think that's that's really unfortunate. That's also something else I want to mention too. It's like, why are you going after these archivists? But then, like, I was watching a newscast the other day that an anchor posted of themselves, and I get that. You know, they kind of want to show off their. Uh, their work and so they put up a full newscast themselves i mean nothing wrong with that i completely get that but it's like i think my channel was targeting a different niche and we were at like uh, i had like i still have like five thousand subscribers um and my videos would always get between 500 and a thousand views which i mean for a general audience isn't very big but for our niche because this is indeed a niche for our niche it was pretty it was pretty big compared to my uh the other channels that i don't necessarily want to use the word competition because i wouldn't say i compete against them but other channels that post similar content to mine were would only get like 100 to 200 views for the same amount of content within a day and so i think Maybe they were jealous of that because in the case of one of the stations, my channel had more subs than they do. So maybe it was a jealousy thing. I mean, something else I kind of want to say too is maybe there might be a deeper motive. I mean, I don't want to say too much, but I mean, I think you're aware of there's a troll who has been targeting my channel for a while. And I don't want to name him, but everyone knows who I'm talking about. And and I don't want to give them too much publicity, but I will say that there's a troll out there who's been trying to target my channel because uh, I uh, it wasn't even me, but one of our staff members banned them from the Discord server Broadcast Plaza uh, because they they have multiple issues and they've been coming after me ever since. And maybe it's possible they are faking these. Uh, I think that's a whole other issue. Is is faking copyright which is a big deal i mean i'll say this both of them were filed with gmail addresses which i think is big 
Uh, I don't. I don't think they should be. I think they should only be filed with um, corporate email, so that way we know that it's truly a representative of the company. I think it casts a lot of doubt to say that this is from you're claiming to represent this large corporation, but then you use a Gmail address. I mean, how am I supposed to know it's you or not? It just, I mean, so it may not even be them. I mean. I don't know for sure. I think it's, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot, a lot to take in for sure though. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, we've already talked about, uh, you know, what could be considered fair use and what it, what could not be considered fair use. So I'll go ahead and go on to, uh, I guess our last question here. You have, uh, over 5,000 subscribers. You still have over 5,000 subscribers on the studio 31 media archive channel, but now with all the videos removed and whatnot for the time being, what's, what's next for the brand? What's next for this channel? Like what's the, what does the future look like for studio 31 to be honest i wish i knew <laughs> i think um i'm gonna have to stay away from the full shows because i feel like i'm specifically being targeted mm-hmm. uh me and i think there's another couple other channels out there that have aligned with me that have had issues i won't name them because i don't think they want me to say much about it so i won't name them but there are some other channels i've had issues too but there's also channels that haven't had issues too. And I, 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 that's another thing. I think that's unfortunate. But I think for me, I personally might just have to stay away from the full shows or put them on a different platform that is more respectful to, to copyright owners and, and I'll, or copyright uh, holders. I'll just say this real quick. Uh, I, uh, because we didn't mention this, but the whole counterclaim. Uh, I tried filing a counterclaim on these because I don't think these copyright strikes were fair or they were correct. And YouTube rejected me. And I, I tr- tried filing them at least five, six times. I also reached out to the parties in question. I never got a response back. So uh, my future of using YouTube might be up in the air. I mean, I I don't think YouTube cares for its providers that much i think they care more about these corporations and getting sued by large corporations that they're too afraid to to stand up for their creators so i don't know i i, I want to stay with youtube because it's given me the largest audience uh like internet archive is probably the other one that people use and even then it's it's a safer place for us as archivists to post this kind of content and they understand what we do, I think, but at the same time, uh, that site's not going to give us a large audience. And they've also had their own issues happening recently. With uh, I think they were sued by some book publishers and some uh, recording studios over posting their content. So I'm even doubtful of what the future of Internet Archive might look like. So I may be forced to stay with YouTube, but. I may only be posting news opens. I may only be posting promos, just like items that are short, like under three minutes or under five minutes at most. Uh, I think stations aren't really triggered by that. I think they're mainly triggered by seeing like 30 minute clips and hour clips and thinking they can't monetize that. And that's something I want to mention. We don't, I don't monetize anything on the channel. I don't have, I mean, if there's ads, it's, YouTube making money on it. I don't make a cent off of anything. I mean, I do this all out of my own pocket. I pay for everything you see on the channel. So 
I, I just, yeah. I mean, I may only just do short clips. Uh, I have my other two channels. I mean, three really, because I have the podcast. I want to do more of that for sure. Um, I want to do, I have a new channel called Forward Broadcast Archive, which is just my temporary channel. Uh, I may do something else with it. Maybe I'll do full newscasts on there in the future. But for now, I'm kind of just playing it safe because I'm not too sure about the whole full newscasting and all that. And then I have my other channel, 31 Rewind, and that's going to be staying and posting the same kind of content as now, which is just commercial breaks, old newscasts, stuff like that, sign-offs. I think uh, people appreciate the older content and... It's interesting that nothing from there has had issues, but I guess they take more issue with the current stuff, which I guess kind of makes sense because they have that available themselves. But most stations just put up like clips, like short little clips from the show. They're not putting up the full shows. I think we're providing a valuable service. So I don't know. Uh, I wish I had a a complete answer, but I guess it's just going to be time will tell for sure what we'll look like in a few months. I mean... I'll say this, the strikes come off in sometime in January and I just, and hopefully we won't, we won't have any issues in the future, knock on wood, but I mean, we won't know for sure until, until then. Yeah. Let's hope for the, uh, let's hope for a bit of a more, I guess, more normal, more brighter future for the Studio 31 brand and the, and of course the YouTube channel. I want to bring a little bit of levity to end the, uh, the end of conversation here. You mentioned the uh, broadcast bulletin. Our announcer, Jared Harris, uh, I understand, uh, did an interview with you, uh, uh, at some point, uh, I think, I think like a year or so ago, I, 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 I'm not really sure when it's going to come out, but I've been kind of really looking forward to, uh, getting, you know, getting to hear it and just hearing a little bit more about, uh, Jared's, uh, Jared's story within the, uh, as part as part of the broadcast industry. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to I'd love to put his interview out at some point soon, maybe within a couple of months. I I need to get back on that cuz I recorded some interviews back then. I feel bad I haven't released any of them yet, but yeah, we recorded it about a year or so ago and he's a cool dude. He has a great background and he has a he has a really good voice as you've taken notice of because I mean, you have him doing your announcer. He's a cool dude. I'm really looking forward to having him and I'm glad you have him on to to uh, promote your product. Yeah, definitely. Jim, thank you as always uh, for um, for uh, being a part of the show and, uh, you know, giving me uh, for uh, for the opportunity to uh, have uh, have myself interview you for this uh, occasion here. Obviously, uh, not under the most ideal circumstances, but uh, I hope you come back on the show at some point in the future. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll maybe we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, our usual topics here, animation, autism and everything else. Thank you so much. Thank you, Adrian. Episodes of Broadcast Bulletin, Jim Stanton's podcast, are available to stream wherever you get your podcast. And uh, special, and again, thank you to uh, Jim for uh, taking the time out of his uh, uh, schedule and for giving me the opportunity to uh, interview him as uh, part of this Zachman exclusive. So, um, copyrights and fair use and uh, archiving broadcast media, Emma. Um, a lot of I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot to take in. I think there was a lot to take in. I think from you know from the um, from the interview that I did with Jim and uh, what, what were your biggest hate? What were, what were your takeaways from that, uh, from that segment there? I think probably my biggest takeaway with this particular interview was the fact that 
it's it, the nature of new of the news itself. You know, um, as he suggested, you know, you kind of have to be a special breed to sort of, you know, want to not only just, you know, engage with local news media, but also, you know, want to preserve it as well. Because, you know, there are, you know, most, as he said during the interview, you know, most quote-unquote normal people will, you know, watch the news and be done with it. Like, you know, it's it's not something that, you know, you go off and has infinite replay value. Um yeah, it's it's basically just like it's 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 just the news. It's just something that you <laughs> in most most people's circumstances you don't even really want to watch. You kind of just feel compelled to do to, you know, to watch it because of the fact that you want to seem like a halfway decent human being <laughs> and have some semblance of knowledge of what's going on in the country and in the world. That being said, I think just in the context of copyright in of fair use, you know, I see a lot of Jim's argument here. Um, as he had mentioned, you know, in the interview, you know, the news isn't an episode of SpongeBob. It's, especially if it's, you know, a local program, you know, it's not something that's, you know, produced by a high budget studio often, Unless, of course, it, it, it is just a straight-out large corporation um, news broadcast. But it, 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 in the context of just, you know, non-streaming local television media, uh, and specifically television news media, considering the fact that it's not directly made by Hollywood, even if it, it could be a subsidiary of a larger company, you know, the fact that it is a local station, the fact that you know, it's it's not something that's going to be watched on repeat unless you you know have a have an interest in uh, in that kind of media. Um, so and yeah, I mean, as he had suggested too, in the age of streaming, you know, people are you know either have have moved on to reading the news on their phones or turning to a more corporate news source or just not even engaging with news media at all or infrequently engaging with news media because of the fact that most people have now uh, entered into the age of streaming and there's already a there, there was already a small enough audience for local news media and now you know, that pool is, is getting even smaller due to just the nature of, you know, the modern television industry. Um, and, you know, the broadcast journal indus journalism industry in particular. Um, so, yeah, that being said, I think, you know, I, I think the work that he does is very important. And I think that, you know, having an opportunity for people to learn from news media from their area or just from areas throughout the country and throughout the world, you know, it, you know, everything from, you know, what type of news was being broadcasted, who was broadcasting it, you know, 
as well as just how did the news look? What did the bumpers look like? You know, what did the interview rooms look like? You know, how, who was the ones who were going out in the field mostly? You know, little details like that. It, you know, the kind of details that you, you know, you, you really don't completely think about paying attention to while you're watching the news, but you would if you were watching, say, your favorite TV serial, you know, um, just appreciating, I think just, if anything, the work that he's doing, I think is primarily, you know, helping to appreciate the craft that is broadcast journalism, especially broadcast journalism that is not, or is only partially propped up by a larger parent company. Um, so yeah, that being said, I, I think it's a little strange that he's now sort of getting flagged for for copyright, especially as, you know, the nature of fair use um, and the fact that he's been doing this for so long and he's only been recently encountering some troubles with his archival work. Um, that being said, though, if, you know, if you want to take it from the... You know, if 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 you're if you're taking it from the side of the people who are complaining about this, um, you know, if it, again, if if you have like a local subsidiary of a larger news corporation, you know, CNN, a not CNN, but you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, God forbid, Fox. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just a, a larger news studio, you know, maybe I could kind of see it considering the fact that, you know, it is still falling under the, you know, e even though it's, it's a quote unquote single use sort of, of thing, it's still, you know, a, a property of you know, whatever news segment or, you know, news-based talk show, you know, sit-down morning news station, whatever. I don't have the language for this. I'm not a journalist. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, long story short here, I could kind of see it people complaining if it was, you know, news that was based on even a local subsidiary of a larger corporation. Um, but at the same token, though, that, that even that's kind of ridiculous, considering the fact that, again, just the nature of news itself, as well as the fact that, you know, old ABC, NBC, etc. broadcasts um, from, you know, the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, even up to, like, say, the relatively, uh, the most, you know, the past 30, 40 years, um, probably even the past 20 years, possibly, uh, at least snippets of it can be used as, you know, fair use, as opposed to, you know, something that's still being protected by copyright law, just due to the nature of, you know, time between you know, 2023 in the year that whatever news was presented was broadcasted. So, you know, that being said, 
it's it, this is kind of a weird tightrope to walk around. I mean, even you know, I've have I have some experience with copyright law because I'm currently in the process of you know getting some of my my own work, you know, my own original IPs protected under copyright law. Um, at least doing research for it in order to do so. But at the same token, though, you know, from everybody who I've I've spoken to about copyright, it's it's a very strange in some ways process because you know you, you can the the categories are either so open ended or they're so you know narrow and specific that it's a bit odd and you know the definitions for certain things can get a little blurry especially as the years progress um in regards to you know broadcast media and and just older media in general um but yeah that being said copyright and free use just you know, copyright fair use all that kind of stuff is is kind of a strange world in general um especially if you're trying to navigate it as someone who's approaching it as more, from more of a you know a journalistic standpoint but at the very least, you know, the too long didn't read for this, I think, is, you know, I, I think, you know, the work that he's doing is very important. And overall, you know, I, I just find it a bit weird that he is getting flagged for stuff that, you know, in the past uh, could have been seen as fair use or, or you know, whatever reason. Um yeah, again, it's it's not like you're, as he his famous example, it's not like you're pirating an episode of SpongeBob. You're, it's 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 the news. So, yeah. Anyway, um, whatever the situation is, again, this is, argument is is very fascinating. Has a level of nuance, and you know, me being me, who's you know more, <laughs> who's who's not particularly a fan of this type of of media, um. Yeah, you know, me. I guess you know to put it in his terms, me being a quote unquote normal person about news media. Um, you know, there's there's only so much I can really say about it. But at the same token, though, at the very least, I I do recognize that the work that Jim is doing is incredibly important, and I just I find it strange that he's only now getting uh getting criticized, flagged, whatever the case is for the work that he's been doing. And I did bring this up with Jim because because uh, one of the parties that uh, uh, that we kind of addressed there um, uploaded the uh, uploaded a full newscast onto their channel and then pretty much uh, pretty much uh, basically disallowed other archivists uh, from even uploading it to their own respective channels. So it's just, it's kind of mind boggling to say the least. Yeah, agreed. It's just it's 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 been pretty strange in that regard. Um. But again, you know, I, I wish him all the best, and I genuinely hope that he's able to uh, to figure uh, most of the situation out, and that he's able to, you know, pivot as best as he can while continuing to do the incredibly important work that he's doing as an archivist. Yeah, um, and you know, I'll, I'll say this before we, we, you know, we end the episode. I find it funny how I think this segment might be either just as long, if not longer than the segment we did on our main segment. <laughs> our main topic. Oh, man. We should have, uh, we should have flipped the, uh, 
should have flipped segments Haley's on it being our scd and uh and this being our main segment oh man but, but, uh, but mean, then it wouldn't be, but then would it be about animation autism and everything else it would just be news media autism and then animation and it's just that it, it just doesn't make it makes no sense <laughs> no exactly i mean i agree with you it doesn't make any sense but you know it, it, at the same token, though, you, at the very least, you had more to say about this than you did our previous topic. So I'm just, you know, making a point. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for dropping an F F bomb there, but uh, <laughs> oh yeah, man, we've done it before. Yeah, I'm definitely not censoring it anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, my yeah, yeah. Well, I will. I'll edit that bit out there, but uh. Uh, yeah, so, um, uh, anyway, the, uh, disclaimer here, um, alongside Studio 31 Media Archive and Jim Stand and myself, uh, the Zachary and Pizza Show and, uh, Zach Lind are server partner, are, serve as a server partner of Broadcast Plaza, so, um, of course, if you want to join Broadcast Plaza, if you have, have, have a passion for the, for broadcast media and the broadcast industry, um, We'll have a link to it in the episode's description, or you can just log on to discord.gg forward slash broadcast plaza. There are no spaces, no dashes, nothing like that. Just broadcast plaza as all in one word. So be our guest. Be or be my guest, really, because I'm because I'm in that server too. That is it for the Zachary and Peach show this week. We're gonna get into Lack of Daisy uh next week as uh as uh, we uh, focus on this uh particular uh short film. Uh that uh, that's been making the uh, making some uh, waves. Um, I think within the past couple, of, I got I guess within the past couple of months here. Uh, I think before uh, before we've uh, gotten a chance to actually get around to discussing about this uh, particular pilot film. Yeah, I mean, it, this th there, there's just something about this particular pilot that I think really, you know, really drew me in. Um, I mean, I'm not to say I'm I'm I mean, just just personally, I'm I'm not like, you know, yeah, I, I don't know what it is about me. But I, I even as an independent creator and as an, you know, an online filmmaker, I typically don't, you know, check out people's online films if they're super, super popular. Um, and it, that 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 could, you know, be in one of my that's one of my personal problems. Um, cause I, you know, I just, I, I prefer to, when it comes to watching my, you know, my internet content, I probably, you know, just prefer to stick to watching, you know, the, the little, the little guys, people who don't really have a, a full studio or team of people who, um, you know, who work with them directly with, you know, making the kind of content that they do. Um, and, you know, that, that's not to say that, you know, other web series, like, you know, uh, has been hotel or amazing digital circus or something along those lines aren't aren't valid as animation because they absolutely are, and from everything that I hear, they're both great. But that's just not what I'm into. But you know, I guess specifically back to Lack of Daisy, um, just this whole idea of a series just I think really caught my attention. And I am very excited to finally give my full uh, review, analysis, whatever, on it. Just because of the fact that, you know, unlike other uh, 
trending online animations. Uh, this one actually has a style that I'm really drawn to. So, and I've also been just following the creator of the Lackadaisy Cats, um, just, you know, online, even before the pilot officially aired. So, that being said, just, you know, getting an opportunity to, to support a, a illustrator turned animator, um, that I've been enjoying for a rather long time, uh, I think is a fantastic, uh, opportunity, and I'm very much looking forward to, uh, giving it a giving it a go and plus you know if anything it's an ant it's a show about anthropomorphic cats so <laughs> what's there not to love <laughs> yeah of course and uh we can't wait to discuss about that next week and uh i think we're also gonna be discussing about the digital uh amazing circus as our uh something completely different segment next week but we'll but we'll kind of really confirm we'll we'll kind of confirm that uh i, I think i think as we uh as we do get to do the episode uh next week as well yeah We'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, for right now, though, uh, th this has been the Zachary Peaches Show. I'm Adrian Monta. And I'm Emma Settles. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Zachary and Peaches Show, folks. Well, goodbye for right now. Bye. Jared Harris speaking for the Zachary and Peaches show produced, edited, and co-hosted by Adrian Mata and co-hosted with Emma Settles. The Zachary and Peaches show is a Sackland original podcast. <laughs>